Good. Hello. Good morning. Ooh, all around. Right. <clears throat> Let me just get myself set here. These sweets. Can you see these sweets? Can everyone see those? You've all spotted those, have you? These sweets. Uh, it, it's kind of an apology. I was supposed to be here on Christmas Day, uh, and I, I didn't make it. Um, and what I was going to do was I was going to be like throwing out sweets because you can do that on Christmas Day. But we're not, not doing that today, but I, I, I can't leave Wendy to eat all these sweets. So I'm hoping that afterwards uh, some of you might be able to help uh, devour those. Uh, so if you're uh, if, if at the end, end of the meeting, if you've got to check with your responsible adult that you've brought along today, uh, and if it's all right with them, you can come and get a sweet at the end. Uh, that's what they're for. I'm just going to pop them there. Um, one, one of the things, uh, uh, when we were all online, after a meeting, we would sometimes gather on Zoom for our Zoom cafe. Remember those days? Um, many of you came along to those. And uh, one of the things I used to love, that used to really encourage me, was uh, at the end, uh, Jairus and Eliora used to show me the pictures that they'd been drawing through the, through the, uh, the service, through the sermon. Uh, they kind of would be making notes and drawing pictures of, of what they were hearing and what God was saying to them while they listened. Um, and I missed that a bit. So I just thought today, if you were making notes, drawing pictures as we go through this morning, uh, and you want to come and show me those at the end, uh, I'd love to see those as well. Uh, I might make one or two suggestions as to what you could draw, but uh, feel free to draw whatever God's saying to you. Um, I was going to, I had that all prepared, I was going to say that this morning, and then uh, as I came in this morning, the first person I met uh, was Jairus, and he was just sat down in the front here, uh, and he said, he got my attention, and he said, I've drawn a picture, I've drawn a picture, and he came and showed me a picture. I was, I mean, I, other than just being kind of overwhelmed by the confirmation uh, that God was uh, with us this morning, um, it's also a picture of uh, this battle. You might not be able to see that very clearly, but it, it's a fencing uh, battle that's going on there. And, 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 and I'm like, I'm going I'm to be talking about a battle this morning. And he's, and he's drawn this picture. And I just, I'm just so encouraged by that anyway. Uh, and, and, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what other pictures uh, people might draw this morning. It's lovely, uh, as Rich said, to have lots of uh, folk here. And, and especially if you are visiting, uh, it's great to have... Um, new people amongst us. It's also great, I think, when children that were born amongst us, uh, that were here as little ones growing up here, uh, that maybe go off to live in London and worship in London, uh, then decide to come back for a visit. Um, and it's, it's brilliant when they bring back their new fiancé as well. So it's great to have Dom and, Dom and Katie. That is Dom and Katie here uh, back. Oh, there we go. There's Dominic. There we go. We love Dominic, don't we? I, I've saved you some love hearts, especially for you, for afters. You can come and get them. Okay, I'll pop them there. So, the, uh, the, the, the battle for belief is uh, what I'm going to be talking about this morning uh, and see if <coughs> we can probably, if Ali's um, prayer was a, an introduction for Joe, then perhaps Joe's story is an introduction for what I might be talking about now. Um, the passage we've got is John chapter 6. So I shall read it from verse 16, if you want to follow along. 
When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now, it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus hadn't entered it with the disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Last week, Rich uh, was helping us uh, look at that miraculous feeding of the five or perhaps 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Uh, and he mentioned that next week, Kieran would be uh, coming back to the subject of bread uh, because uh, uh, Jesus takes the opportunity to teach off the back of his miracle, the people uh, that he then speaks to. So this week, I have this passage sandwiched in the middle. Thank you, thank you very much. If you want to represent that fantastic pun with a picture of a delicious sandwich, then maybe that could be your first drawing this morning. But actually, it is important to note the connection and the flow in these stories, uh, these accounts of what happened. Um, as, 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 as Rich kind of left us with at the end, uh, that, that, that Jesus and the disciples are kind of making a getaway, really. Uh, they've had this fantastic day, this amazing miracle, but, but the people are going to try and force him to be king, and that's not Jesus' plan. He says, no, that's not, not the time. Uh, so, so they've kind of got this kind of getaway plan, I suppose, here. Um, Jesus tells the disciples to get on the boat and head over to Capernaum, and he went the land route. He wanted to go up a hill, a mountain there, by the side to pray, uh, spend time with his father. Um, and then we see at the end, the crowd of kind of piecing it together and working it out. And well, the disciples went that way. Where did Jesus go? We want to find Jesus. I think in the end they decide... Well, we can't, find, we can't find Jesus, but we know his disciples were headed, so we'll follow them, because uh, that's probably where Jesus will end up. So they're kind of like searching after Jesus, trying to find their way there. Uh, I think it's this interesting, these conditions that were, were there for this getaway. Like, Jesus kind of delays the crowd, really, doesn't he? There's only one boat, and because uh, and Jesus doesn't get on it, they don't follow immediately. Um, and I, I can imagine that the, when they set off, uh, they're in this boat... And they probably start off with the sails up. Um, now, the, the, the Sea of Galilee, that, that geographical area that we're talking about, is well known for a place where, where the weather can be a bit squally, where the winds can suddenly whip up. Um, but I, I imagine at the start that they didn't think, oh, look, the weather's, the, the rowing and the sailing conditions are really bad here. Let's, uh, let's get in the boat and go into this headwind. I imagine that when they set off, there was probably a, 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 a bit of a breeze, nice breeze. They put the sails up and started tacking up the shore. Um, the oars that they would have had in the boat, uh, I imagine, were, were a bit of a backup option at that point. 
I can also imagine that they were probably thinking, oh, I wish Jesus had come in with us. Why, why, you know, it would be better if he was with us, really, rather than going somewhere else. But I expect also that they were well used to the fact that Jesus does what he likes uh, and that, uh, that he wasn't about to follow them if, he, if that's not what he had planned. Another piece of context that's maybe worth taking note of at this point is that in John here, we get John's typical style of storytelling, which is very succinct. Uh, he really sticks to uh, very short sentences, very uh, quick description of what happened. I mean, there's loads in it, but he writes it very, uh, very briefly. Um, Matthew in chapter 14 and Mark in chapter 6, they kind of add different details and different emphasis of, this, of, of the same story. So we can, we can get maybe a fuller picture of the whole story by reading those as well. I'm not going to do that now, but you can feel free to do that. Um, maybe it's a bit like when different ones of us tell a different story or, or tell the same story. We, you get kind of two perspectives. I know that when Wendy and I tell people our stories of how we got together, the stories aren't exactly the same length and some of the details don't quite match anymore. It was a long time ago. Uh, but it's just, it's just one of those things. When you tell, a, tell the same story, you sometimes get some slightly different details. So I'm going to take that, 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 the helpfulness of those other versions. And don't be surprised if I chuck in a, a couple of details that we find in one of those other accounts. Perhaps your first scene to draw, if you're, uh, uh, if you're ready to obviously draw a boat, um, might be of... Uh, of some, of some quite exhilarated sailors in the boat, uh, having just had a fantastic day. Uh, they'll, they'll probably have full bellies, uh, and they'll uh, maybe have a, uh, um, a basket of leftovers each, a big supply of uh, fish sandwiches for the journey, um, heading into the boat, and then maybe you've got Jesus heading up the hill to pray. That could be a picture or a scene that you draw. So, right, why am I suggesting that this section is about a battle? Uh, I think it's about a battle for belief. You remember, probably, because most of us say it each week, that in John chapter 20 and verse 31, John says why he wrote this down. He said, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of this gospel. That's what we're supposed to be getting hold of. We're supposed to be getting hold of that it's a battle to believe in Jesus. And that's what we're encouraged to do. The enemy, on the other hand, is representing for unbelief. He's an advocate for doubt, for going astray. He'll distract you. He'll lie to you. He wants to rob you of belief. He wants to rob you of your life. In, in, in John 16, uh, to just look ahead a little bit in John again, he, he, he's writing what Jesus says right at the beginning of the chapter, which is... Just get there. Which is, all this I have told you, that you will not fall away. It's this battle to continue believing. If you believe, to keep believing. So I was encouraged by this picture of a battle that Jairus did. You could draw a battle, maybe. But my prayer this morning is that we would seize this 
opportunity to, uh, to, to look at these really, this really kind of relatable story and um, allow the Holy Spirit to just align our hearts, our minds, our, our spirits with the truth here, that we'll be inspired to go after victories of belief during the week. So one battleground that emerges early on uh, as we realize, is, is as we realize that, that Jesus has sent his disciples into the headwinds that whip up. He, he sends them into these rough seas. It's during the night. It's after a busy day. It's this kind of moment where we have to decide if we're going to believe, as Joe was saying earlier, excuse me, <clears throat> We're going to believe that the compassionate and loving God that we serve might want to send us into some headwinds and into some rough waters in life, in the dark of the night and after a busy day. It's like Joe was testifying that they've been believing. Will we believe that this could even be for our good? Common experience in life for us is, might be that we set off in clear weather. We set off on a journey or a new stage of life. Set off to live in a new location. Or maybe just want to start serving in, in, a, in a new area of church life. Or start a new job. And you start off and it, it all feels great, doesn't it? The wind is in your sails. You're speeding along. All feels good at the beginning. And at some point, you start to encounter some headwinds. Sails of had to come down and you've had to pick up the oars. The waves seem big. Discouragement starts knocking on the door. At this point, we could perhaps think, by looking a little bit ahead in the story, that rowing wasn't really necessary, that it wasn't really important. Maybe it was even a mistake to bother rowing. Is that just trying to do it in your own effort, maybe? Maybe we should just wait for Jesus to arrive in the boat, instantly get transported to the other side. Why did they bother rowing? Maybe they could have just drifted for a bit, sat back, waited for Jesus to rock up and just sort it all out. The idea of the effortless fix. I can imagine as a temptation to think in, in certain directions at this point in the story for them. Um, maybe they could just go for a, a little moaning about why Jesus hadn't showed up yet. Maybe they could have just uh, expressed a bit of that impatience for the problem to be solved. Maybe they could have drifted into a bit of self-pity, a bit of feeling sorry for themselves, uh, stuck out there in the night, sweating away at the oars. Could have got quite fearful what if, what if? Maybe they could have been praying, but in that kind of anxious way we sometimes do. Oh, fix it, fix it, Lord, fix it, please fix it. Or maybe even getting quite angry. God, why on earth did you send us out here on this boat? Look at these conditions. Or we could imagine that they might have been tempted to stop rowing so that they can discuss their own analysis of the problem and come up with their own solutions. What we need is a different boat. It's the boat, that's the problem. We need a bigger boat. These oars, these oars aren't very good really. They're a little bit, 
little bit narrow, some big wide oars. That'd be better. We'd better go, go faster if we had different oars. Well, you know what? This might be slightly British uh, example, but we could blame the weather. The weather's the problem. If the weather was different, we'd be all right. We'd be sailing. Maybe they might have started to turn on each other a little bit. Well, I'm all right, but the team is a little bit of a problem. I'm pulling hard against the oars. It's the other 11 that, well, I'm not really sure that the others are putting in quite the effort that I am. And as for Judas's technique, very poor, very poor. If only there were 12 of me, we'd be out rowing the wind. God. I wondered, I don't know if the, other than rowing on these kind of boats, whether they would have had someone uh, uh, leading the, the singing as they, to help them row, the, the sea shanties, or, the, uh, um, or, or, or a drummer maybe beating a rhythm for the oars to pull in, or I suppose someone must have been steering it as well. I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm drifting uh, into digression here. But I, I could also imagine the temptation to grumble about the drumming. Um, or... I better come back. I better not go. Anyway, um, if, if only the drummer was beating in time, we'd be rowing better together. We'd be more together. Uh, who, who's steering this boat? Who's steering it? The problem is they're not quite steering it right. If I was steering the boat, then we'd be going... Uh, we'd be making real progress. Anyway, I've digressed. Of course, uh, they didn't do any of that. We see from the story, they kept rowing, and I'm sure that none of us would ever do that in any uh, relatable situation at all. We wouldn't fall for that kind of temptation, would we? So I don't need to spend any more time laboring that point. Um, what are your, so what are our, our headwinds? What, 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 what do we face? Um, I wondered, us not particularly being a fishing community or living anywhere near the sea, uh, uh, maybe none of us have actually rowed a boat on the sea. Uh, uh, or, uh, I don't think I have. Um, but you might know about headwinds from, I don't know, park run? Running park run, going after that PB, the wind's a bit strong in your face, uh, slows you down, frustrating, isn't it? Or, or you're, you're out riding your bike in the peaks, uh, uphill, the wind picks up, and you get to that point where you've gone down all the gears, you're in the bottom one, you're out of the saddle on your feet, uh, and still, you turn one wheel, and then, then it stops. You're, you're literally, I, am I, have I actually stopped? Am I still going forwards or not? You know that point? In a... Or maybe you, maybe you have done some rowing. Maybe it's been in the gym, the old rowing machine, that slidey seat thing. And you, you, you're rowing in that, and, uh, and you feel that air conditioning, and you think, oh, is that headwind? No, 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 no it's just, just the air conditioning. But seriously, headwinds are real, uh, and, and they're, they're maybe a bit different from a storm. We could look back just in Mark 4, uh, where, where they were in a storm. They, they had Jesus in the boat. There was a proper storm. The waves were breaking over the boat. They were, they were genuinely fearing for their lives in that moment. And uh, maybe if the storm represents a big crisis in life that suddenly comes up but then passes on, Headwinds are maybe more of a sort of chronic condition. Maybe if a, a storm is that difficult moment, then a, a headwind can be a, a situation that lasts for, for weeks or, or months or years. 
might not be that dramatic, to be honest. It could be uh, just working a tough job, a difficult job. Could be uh, yeah, that the nine to five. Could be just that in your life. Working the nine to five is it just feels like a headwind some days, many days. Nine to five, you say? Seven a.m. to ten p.m. <laughs> or even maybe something more like twenty-four-seven, like parenting or caring for a, a family member. These are real headwinds. Those working in healthcare in the last couple of years. You'd probably be saying the headwinds have been stronger than ever. I'm sure many other industries and professions could be thinking the same, quite rightly. But like parenting, you know, these things can go on for years, and as one wave is rode through, there's another one right behind it. Or perhaps you've led a, a small group, or a hub, or a, a project in church life. It all started with excitement and full of faith, and then the enemy stirred up some conflict. Now you're feeling the headwind a bit of that. Perhaps it's uh, another area of life, like, uh, like the man at the pool in Bethesda that we met in chapter 5. And, and I think uh, Ali was uh, kind of referring to that. Unable to walk for 38 years. Now, you'll know your own pains and struggles. You'll know your own headwinds. It won't be the same for everyone. Maybe you're experiencing unkind school friends. Maybe you are, as Rich mentioned, in the midst of grief. Maybe adjusting to the loss of a partner. Or another loss. Or loneliness. Maybe you've got a chronic, painful, physical illness. Maybe you experience mental ill health, or the symptoms of the menopause, or long COVID. Maybe your struggle is joblessness, or financial insecurity, housing insecurity, status uncertainty. Sometimes the headwinds are really strong. Sometimes they feel more like just a continual storm. And into this we read that Jesus sends them onto the water, knowing that they would face headwinds, these headwinds. This is the God of all compassion. He did that. We see him watching, praying. But he did do that. So I want to now point us to three ways in which we can find hope. in the face of these difficult situations. Firstly, I think we can recognize what God has already provided. It's a great way to kindle hope in ourselves. As I tried to put myself in the disciples' seat, I realized that they have much to be thankful for, actually. They have a boat. When you're going on a journey on water, that is a good thing to have. They had a sail, they had oars. Jesus had just fed them with a substantial carbon protein meal. They had a pack up. They've, they've got experienced fishermen amongst them. They know the terrain, they know the hazards. They've been there out on that, on that sea before. 
They've even experienced Jesus in the boat with them, calming the storm, speaking to the waves. This weather doesn't seem to be even quite as bad as that one. So maybe they do appreciate that he's been preparing them for this night, for this moment, for this place they are in life. I think it's miraculous that Jesus has them so well prepared. Okay, it's not like that instant miracle that we sometimes read about. But over the years, ensuring every piece of jigsaw in their life is in place, ready, they're prepared. And actually, whilst they are in a tough place, there's not even a suggestion that they're moaning or despairing or ready to give up or afraid. It doesn't say that. They seem to be demonstrating their belief by keeping rowing. They row through the night. They row through the first watch. They row through the second watch of the night. They're still rowing. Now, it's not possible to know maybe what's going on in each disciple's mind and emotions as each hour of rowing passed. I'm sure there'd have been a range. Probably a mixture of moments of faith and doubt. And I'm sure many of us know how as tiredness grows, our natural ability to think well and our boldness and determination can drain at quite a speed. So the battle for belief intensifies as we go through the night. Here's an opportunity to trust that if Jesus says he'll see them in Capernaum, then they'll get there. We can believe for that. Do they set a new course? No. Do they change the method of transport? No, I mean, it wasn't really much of an option in the middle of uh, the sea, I suppose, but uh, uh, were they thinking, oh, let's get get in a car instead? No, they they, they recognize what God's given them, and they continue on the path that Jesus has instructed them on. So I want to suggest that we we can consider that when God leads us in this kind of way, it is as miraculous and as compassionate as when he later transports them to the shore. Is it as dramatic? Maybe not. But how good is it to recognize that God's work for us in the long term is as effective as as we journey through life? He's always at work. His hand has been upon us since before we were even conceived. He formed us in our mother's wombs. He numbered our days. He's protected us from untold threats. He's never taken his eyes off us, not once. He's our rock. Joe and Helen's testimony confirms it just recently amongst us. So a great way to know hope is to recognize what God has already done, what he's already provided, where he's already placed you, and to believe that's where he wants you. Secondly, we've got to make sure we're placing our hope in the right place. The trap could be to put our hope in lives that have gone beyond the point of any problems, Uh, the absence of problems, everything being just as I wanted it, is the place we're trying to reach. You know, one prayer, all sorted. Our hope is to be that God is with us. Our hope is to be found in the belief that the Holy Spirit is living in us, that Jesus is praying for us, and that the sovereign God will decide on which trials we will face. 
not a cruel test, but so that we may experience his compassion and grow in trust and service of him. If we can believe that the things in life that are not how we would like them to be, if we, if we look at that and think that that's the problem and the solution is them being as we would like them to be, then we're just going to miss out on so much encouragement and hope. Because Jesus and then his disciples in writing the New Testament keep making it known that the trials and temptations of life aren't the real issue. It's our potential unbelief that is the issue. How many times are we warned that we will face trials and persecution and told to greet those trials with faith and even joy? Considering it Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. We were looking at not that long ago in James, and, uh, and uh, as, as Joe quoted from Romans, uh, the golden chain. I was encouraged to come across this week a, uh, a hymn that was written by John Newton in the 18th century. Who He's the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. He also wrote another hymn called begone unbelief. I just want to read you the first verse. Begone unbelief. My saviour is near and for my relief will surely appear. By prayer let me wrestle and he will perform. With Christ in the vessel I smile at the storm. So we have the opportunity to battle for that belief. When he seems distant and progress feels slow and hard into headwinds, he is with us. Do we believe it? He is with us. So let's place our hope in Christ being with us in our circumstances, not just in the resolution of our circumstances when we would ideally like. Thirdly, there is hope for change. It's also a battle. We have to battle for that belief that when the time is right, he'll come, he'll transport us to our destination. We can trust that he'll do that. He knows when to send you into headwinds and when to miraculously intervene. A bit like a parent knows when teaching a toddler to walk. Sometimes the right thing to do is say, no, keep going, walk a bit further. Go on, keep going, you're doing well, keep going. That's strengthening you as you walk. You're getting better at walking there, keep going. And when to say, when to scoop them up, when to carry them for a bit, and when you know that they've, they've, they've pushed enough for now. Our God's kind, he's our parent. Let him decide. If he says, keep going, I've prepared you, I've equipped you, I'm watching over you. And don't be too quick to pray, oh, Lord, come and carry me. And when he says, actually, just stop, rest a while. Don't be too quick to say, no, no, I've got to keep rowing. It's all down to me. Keep him rowing. I can't rest, can't stop. I've got to keep going. So initially in this scenario, we see Jesus kind of watching from a distance. He's watching. He sees and then when he's ready and he wants to, he comes to the boat. Maybe just to move away from this story a moment, uh, we have uh, 
Uh, we don't want to limit ourselves to just this one picture to understand our vast God. Um, we got the full account in John and the, and the other Gospels, of course, that we know that Jesus went on to die that we might live. That he returned to his Father and the Spirit came to dwell in us. We have this permanent presence of God living in us. Maybe if you're ready to draw another picture, you might want to draw Jesus walking on the water to the disciples in the boat. This miraculous moment of his uh, divinity being shown as he walks across the water onto the boat. What a great moment. Um, I mean, initially, the disciples are terrified, it says, but once Jesus identifies himself, assures them not to be afraid, as he does when he turns up, he, 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 we, we, yeah, perhaps, they've, perhaps they've got into this place in the, the third watch of the night. They've been rowing a long time, a long distance, into these headwinds. Maybe they've started to assume that Jesus isn't going to ever change anything, uh, that, that, that it is all down to them, that, that nothing will ever happen, that they'll, uh, uh, they'll see him when they get to Capernaum, but it's down to them to get themselves there. We don't want to... We don't want, to, don't want to stay. We've got to battle for the right mindset here. We've got to battle to believe that, that God will break in and change situations in our life. If we close the door to that idea, maybe Ali just helping us to open that up this morning. To believe that maybe today is the day that Jesus is going to turn up and miraculously transform something in our life. Let's not overprotect ourselves from disappointment. It's not because circumstances have been going on so long, 38 years maybe. Let's not, let's not give up hope. He can come and make a way where there doesn't appear to be one at the moment. Our thinking can change. Uh, maybe it's helpful to, to just think about some of the ways we can drift into thinking uh, and, and, and be more conscious in other ways. So if we're starting our day or looking at a situation and starting with the kind of questions, uh, does God love me? Is he kind? Will he do what I've been telling him to do today? Maybe if God does that, then maybe I could worship him. But I'm, not, I'm just going to hold back and wait and see. Yeah. If, we, if we drifted into those kind of ways of thinking, we, we could come. We could come and say, Lord, I, I recognize what you did on the cross. I remember what you did, just as we remembered earlier, what he went through, what he achieved. And we can come and say, Lord, Lord, I worship you. Before I even think about the day, before I even think about the circumstances, my starting point is, Lord, I worship you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, do what you want to do today. And how would you like me to join in? When the disciples recognize Jesus and, uh, and calm down, they welcome him into the boat. They put the oars down and Jesus speeds them to the shore. don't know what exactly that looked and felt like, but it uh, sounds good, doesn't it? And um, we've got this, you know, it's, 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 it's well into the night. It's in the fourth watch. It's, it's been a long time that they've been rowing. Yet Jesus comes. 
Jesus comes, such grace. So wonderful when we, we, we get that moment of receiving his powerful provision in awesome abundance. Maybe it's time to draw a picture of Jesus and the disciples in the boat reaching the shore. So as I come in to finish, what, what's your current battle or, or maybe battles? What's God's discipleship for you this morning? Is it to remember what God's already done in your life? What he's already taught you? What, he's, what you've already known? What you've read in his word? What you've experienced of him? What he's already given you to do? What he's already equipped you to do? Maybe that hasn't changed. You just need to remember and find and renew your hope. Or perhaps it's to believe, uh, with the help of 2 Peter 1, that his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness. To believe he is with you as you row through the first, second and third watches of the night whilst you're rowing into these headwinds. To believe that he has equipped you, that he has promised never to leave you and find hope in that way. And or is it to risk disappointment and open the door again to hope for a way that can't be seen yet, to be continually believing for miraculous intervention and change? Knowing that Jesus does come and intervene and make changes. He knows when to do that. He'll do that at the right time, to trust him to do that. Either way, I'll just, as I, as I, you know, just as I was preparing this, this, this sense of battle about it, for faith over unbelief, you know, God's just, just full of joy when we, when we choose to put our trust in him and believe that by whatever means, he will bring us to where we are heading. I, I, I talked about the, the, the sort of slightly broader picture there of all Jesus did. Jesus, by, by the way of the cross, he kind of endured a bigger storm. We've had our biggest storm calmed as a result of that. Our biggest storm, our separation from God is over. We're united with him in Christ we've believed and accepted this greatest of truths, then we've got freedom to continually reject unbelief and to walk with hope, both for the rest of our earthly lives and as he brings us to the eternal shore, as he promised and therefore as he surely will. So of course we want to reject unbelief and of course we want to live expecting trials but we want to do this with faith, full of faith and full of hope. Perhaps if uh, we were in, in Matthew, we might have spent more time with Peter stepping out of the boat in his beautiful step of faith towards Jesus. Uh, but we're not in Matthew, so I'm going to stop there. Um, if the band want to come up, I, I'm going to pray.